The Hornets have a weekend so indicative of their overall season. We talk about that. And LaMelo Ball struggles in this most recent game against the Detroit Pistons. Can they bounce back against the Bucks, who they've beaten twice already this season? That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Check out YouTube as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH. The show handle is on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Tough loss, man. That was brutal. We've experienced some painful ones, especially coming (laughs) off of the heels of what was an excellent effort and an excellent game execution against the Toronto Raptors. A game where I don't like being the dramatic radio guy, even though it is very much my career being in radio. I don't subscribe to it's a must win. If they don't win, then the season's over. Season over still might be dramatic. I did feel that game against Toronto was wildly important to set a tone. If you want to go with that kind of storyline in the last 22 games of the regular season, but also Toronto was four and a half games up on the Charlotte Hornets at that point. So it was a must win if you wanted any shot to maybe get in that last six spot, even if you've given up already fine, but just to maybe keep that door open, it was a must win. They come out and then absolutely destroy them. I mean, just beat the Toronto Raptors down and everything's good now because then you have the Detroit Pistons. You beat up on them constantly. You haven't lost to them in forever. And, oh, wait, Kelly Olynyk, Sadiq Bey, Kate Cunningham is a part of that team and, Detroit, they end the streak. Charlotte goes one and one over the weekend after what should have been two and zero, oh, especially after a great game against Toronto. Indicative of the Hornets' season, Doug, I would say, with these two games. <laughs> yep, that's my defense. sound effect for a uh, roller coaster. Seems pretty tame roller coaster you're riding, if that's it. But that's fine. Uh- there you go. <laughs> That's me riding the roller coaster. Um, <laughs> let me off this roller coaster. Yeah. I want to see some consistency from the Hornets, but but it simply hasn't been there. And consistency in effort, especially at the beginning of the game, it's something that Miles Bridges pointed out in the post game uh, from uh, from the Detroit game that they just simply didn't turn it on. That those were his words. They didn't turn it on until the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. And the Hornets simply have not been good in overtime this season. So, you know, they, they didn't want to be in that overtime. Uh, one, one, one streak fell, the Detroit Pistons win streak, but another streak continued uh, losing overtime games. Uh, but here we are again. The Hornets come out. They beat the Toronto Raptors. They've beaten good teams this season. They've beaten Brooklyn. Uh, they've beaten uh, Boston. They've beaten some of these teams that they're Milwaukee, gathered with. Milwaukee twice, and we'll Milwaukee see if they can twice. make it three times. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, the last time they beat Milwaukee, Gordon, it wasn't like a Gordon Hayward kind of thing. He wasn't, uh, he didn't shoot that well in that game. So, um, you know, they've beaten these teams before with this current roster, and uh, they they weren't able to uh, take down Detroit, who they've just manhandled this season. Uh, It was was disappointing. It was, uh, it, it made me feel like Walker, that like when a team shows you who they are time and time again, so at some point you have to believe it, right? And I think I'm ready to believe that this team is not serious enough to even win a play-in game. 
at this point. I, I really think this is about next season. And oh, the you can't be after. confident in that. Yeah. No, you, there, yeah. there's no way you can be confident in the Hornets winning a play-in game. And when you talk about the Hornets showing you who they are for a while now, at least, that's why I think a lot of us bought in. Because at some point, you felt like you had a decent enough sample size to believe that, you know what? The Hornets are going to battle for that sixth spot, maybe even be legitimately the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference, the way the Boston Celtics were struggling at the time, too. Toronto, before the trade deadline, they had actually kind of started to get things going when they first beat the Hornets, if I'm not mistaken. That's what kind of got them going. And you thought, okay, here we are, six games above 500. You know, this team is just going to be able to score a lot. The shooting, maybe there will be some off nights, but just don't turn the ball over and play better defense like they had when they were winning. And maybe this is a team that actually can just get an outright playoff spot. But now, and really in that game against the Lakers, they won 117 to 114. And we all came on and were like, eh, still felt like a weird win. They, they almost lost it and they didn't play very well. Since that win, that's when all of the losing started. So after that Lakers win, the only two victories they have against Detroit on the road, February 11th, where they beat them by almost 30, and then Toronto, where they beat them by 30. Other than that, that's it. That That's what you get from the, the Charlotte Hornets. And that's why it was so hard. Like, you can't figure out what this team was going to give you for so much this season. Yeah, and I mean, one thing was clear uh, coming out coming out of that Toronto game that the Hornets, you know, who had lost nine out of ten games heading into the All Star break, were clearly fatigued both mentally and physically. And and this season, the Charlotte Hornets, because of injury, because of health and safety protocols, uh, because of a lack of depth uh, at the center and forward position have had to play some pretty short rotations this season. That's a that's a choice that JB made. It was clear that the Hornets were trying to win, that they were shifting, beginning to shift out of player development mode, and that meant really relying on a core group of veterans that by the end of this all the, the first period before the All-Star break were clearly just gassed and and ready to ready to uh, you know have a break. And and so they come out ton of energy, but what's still missing is that level of seriousness, that level of focus, that level of, hey, we've got to enter this game ready to compete and take down the teams uh, that we we know we needed to, to take down. Um, that That is still missing. I thought Montrez Harrell would be a player who would bring that level of energy, bring that level of competitiveness, and to a certain point, he has... Uh, and he was one of the players that was, uh, you know, according to Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer on Twitter, he was one of the players really, um, you know, going into the the Charlotte Hornets bench and saying, hey, listen, we got to play some defense. We have to stop uh, these Kelly Olynyk threes that just yeah. happen time and time again. And I'm just I'm sick of Kelly Olynyk destroying this franchise. And Montrez was, too. Uh, now. <laughs> Montrez wasn't speaking from a place of strength because he was not having a great game himself. But at least he's on the bench like saying, hey, we've got to do something here. Um, and, and I think that's missing from some of the other leadership pieces on this team. Sometimes. Well, that, that's been a, a problem with me with Terry Rogier in the past where Terry has said to bring it defensively. And it's like sometimes the source is a problem with that message. You know, Montrez, look, I... I yeah. love what Montrez has brought you. Like, I mean, I was tweeting all over the place, Toronto, like against the Raptors, nine of 12 from the field. The dude is just finishing everything he has inside. And then two points 
out of 24 minutes. I actually think James Brego should have gone to more pick and roll with Montrez because they have been able to score a lot in those situations. Now, I know Isaiah Stewart, I think he had a block against Trez early. Stewart had six points early. Stewart then, was dominant. I mean, well, probably, and then he had seven we can overall, talk, you know, though. we we can talk about the the Hornets uh, you know, and their 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 lack of presence in this game, and and all of the different things that really caused them to lose this game. But but hands up to Detroit. I mean, they they came in and wanted to win this basketball game. Oh, sure. Kate Cunningham looked better than Lamelo Ball. Isaiah Stewart looked better than anyone else that uh, that the Hornets had to throw out there at the center or forward position. So you know, props to Detroit for wanting to win a basketball game. Well, I mean, they had a bunch of guys go off. You mentioned Kelly Olynyk would not miss, including the game winner in that contest. Sadiq Bay was just a killer in this one. It didn't matter what kind of run you thought the Hornets were going to go on. It would be Sadiq Bay to come in and immediately stop it. Tough shots, fadeaways from the corner. You know, you had him early and late be able to really stop the Charlotte Hornets momentum. So let's, you know, uh, let's give a lot of credit to Sadiq Bay, as you uh, mentioned, and Cade Cunningham, who showed up big time, missed a free throw, still hit some uh, timely buckets. So, and you mentioned LaMelo. You want to go to the next segment? Talk LaMelo struggles in this game. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Next segment, we'll talk about LaMelo ball. Poor shooting night from him overall. What did you expect? What did you actually get from the best player on this team? We'll talk about it coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Not before I mentioned Built Bar. This is the time of year where a lot of people have given up on New Year's resolutions. Not this year, though. Don't do that. Stick to the resolution, especially if it's trying to be more fit this year by eating right. And you can do that thanks to Built Bar. If you've tried the Puffs, the OG staple flavors, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. So it does make it easier to stick to that resolution. The banana cream pie, coconut marshmallows, so many different flavors you should try. But they're low in calories, they're low in carbs, they're low in sugar, but they're high in protein and they're high in fiber. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Also want to uh, talk about Bet Online. We'll talk about Bet Online later, actually. We'll just do that later and we'll talk about LaMelo coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Main character for American Psycho was Patrick Bateman, which really confused me. I always thought that Jason Bateman was Patrick Bateman and that Patrick Bateman was Jason Bateman. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out Locked On Now's podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your pods. All right, let's talk about LaMelo here, Doug, because he did not have a good shooting night against Detroit and really didn't even have a good shooting night against the Toronto Raptors, where they beat the Raptors down on Friday night. This one, though, 6 of 24 does shoot three of eight from three-point land, which has not actually been a problem for him lately, even when shooting from deep has been a huge problem with the Hornets in this downfall that they've had, the descent of the roller coaster, if you will. That has not actually come from LaMelo, who shot 40% in February, at 39.8 to be exact, and that's including a bad shooting night against Toronto and a couple of these other poor shooting evenings, you know, against M- Miami was one, one of nine. Like, that's actually not been a consistent problem with him. It's all about the two range for him. You know, that you're you're seeing 
average NBA players shoot, you know, well above two point percentage from what LaMelo mm -hmm. is. And I think that's always been the problem so far. Like sometimes the shooting from deep has gone down, but overall it's stabled out to 37. I'll take that from LaMelo. It's all about finishing inside the arc. And the worst play that you saw was the missed bunny at the end of this game in overtime. I mean, it's wide open and LaMelo just doesn't hit. And that that's something that's kind of plagued him. Not those wide open, like that's not a consistent miss from LaMelo, but he really has struggled at the rim and he missed a wide open layup. PJ has to finish that too. Congrats to him for actually hitting the bucket on a nice putback to send them to overtime, but also got a little bit uh, once there was some physicality down there, didn't finish his layup as well, but the LaMelo wide open one, that was tough, Doug. That was tough to watch. Well, it was tough, and it was a situation where it would have put the Hornets up and and you know completely changed. You wouldn't have needed yeah. that jump ball that that PJ Washington <laughs> wasn't able to secure. Uh, so you know it would have it would have gone certainly much differently had had he hit that layup. But I would say I don't think that was the worst play from Lamelo in in this one. I think it was the the turnover that he had, the travel uh, when he tried to go one on one and was just completely locked up by Detroit and turned the basketball over. I believe that was several possessions before. Um, that to me was like, what, 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 what's going on there? I mean, this team is best when when they are passing the basketball, getting multiple guys touching the ball, and Lamelo is so central to that. And in such a key moment, um, you either you either have to give that ball up or you have to make that play. And and instead, he he made a turnover, and it just looked ridiculous. Uh, and and you know we've we've done a lot of talking here about how you know how and when should the Hornets give the keys over to the franchise to LaMelo and give the offense and give the clutch possessions over to LaMelo. You've heard uh, JB mention it. You've heard other people around this Hornets talkosphere mention it. Um, this game was not evidence that it is time for that to happen quite yet. Uh, and, and it's, it's, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's gotta be something that, um, you know, LaMelo is thinking about after this game. Uh, he had opportunities to really take this thing over and knock down three point shots, three of eight. Yes. But he missed some key ones. Uh, down the stretch, this was um, this was disappointing, and I think it was, you know, you you can't point to one thing in a loss like this, but this, you know, Lamelo's performance, I think, was a big reason why the Hornets dropped this game. Well, and you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the missed threes that Lamelo had late in this one, where he pulled up and shot where he did. It was more towards the left wing of the of the perimeter. Terry Rozier actually on that had one of the best passes I've ever seen him pull off. It's the offensive rebound where he just grabs it in one swooping motion passes it to a cutting miles baseline where he slams it home. That was one of the better plays I've seen Terry make, especially as a floor general. And he was really good, especially hitting some of the tough shots you needed him to hit in this one as well. Um, Terry defensively had some bad plays early, but I think even late, like, look, I, I don't think he's a good defender. In this game last uh, at the end, I thought made some really nice defensive plays and he really wanted this, it seemed. Yeah, no, I, I think um, Terry was a big reason why they were in this game, especially in that when they did finally turn it on in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, it was it was a lot of Terry Rozier knocking down just incredibly difficult shots. And I want to say it in fairness, like LaMelo made a pretty clutch play defensively at the end of the game when when uh, Detroit uh, or excuse me at the end of regulation yeah. when Detroit had an opportunity you know he stole the basketball away but but at watching it at the time Walker and I don't know if you felt the same way I was like oh please God don't foul <laughs> because the <laughs> yeah. thing with Lamelo this is becoming a thing like Lamelo taking a bad shot usually a, a settling for a floater in the in the lane or near the lane and missing it. 
and then immediately fouling because he's, I don't know if it's its just him, him being upset that he took a bad shot, missed a bad shot, wanting to make up for it. But the bad shot take followed by the LaMelo ticky-tack foul has become a thing. And we know, Walker, that foul trouble for LaMelo has been a problem for him this season and, and has limited his ability to be on the floor in certain crunch time situations. Well, so yeah. that that that's just one thing in his game that I feel like okay, if the franchise is really ready to like give him the keys, you know, to the car and say go, those are the kind of things you got to clean up. Here's the one thing that makes it tough to completely coach that out of Lamelo, though. I for the past two years, one of the biggest things I've loved about watching him play is he ramps it up when other people find a time to quote unquote rest, or mm -hmm. he does something unusual in a situation where you think, okay, now it's time to go back on defense. Now it's time to just kind of give up. And it was like in a game against Toronto, his rookie year, remember where he comes in, steals the ball, where they're just kind of trying to dribble it out. He hits like a 35, 36 footer. And it's like, oh, wait, okay, now this game is actually alive again for the Hornets because LaMelo just decided I'm not, but I'm not done playing. And, and I think that kind of happened in that transition, too, where Detroit's like, all right, you know, let's go down the other end and just try to find a way to score in the half court. Well, I, I guess there's like four seconds, you know, but one, let's try to get a better shot. And LaMelo, you know, immediately rushes to that basketball and steals it like he constantly makes plays like that. And you're right. It, it would be devastating if it's a foul and it's probably a little too close. But I also love that part of LaMelo's game. And there, there are other times, too, after an offensive rebound where he'll sprint up the floor and you're good for like two buckets a game because LaMelo just beats everybody down the floor. And so you're right, like great steal, great yeah. job not fouling. Probably don't rush up the fadeaway jumper when the shot's not working and let's get it one almost more pass. Went, I, don't, I don't mind that, yeah, honestly. It almost awful. went in. It, it's like, it's it, probably not the best shot. It's not the worst. Like either way, they're, they're just some things like, ah, oh, that's awesome. Ah, oh, almost. Like that's well, the thing with LaMelo. Well, and then, but that is the thing. And what, what I'm saying, I don't think you can co I don't think anyone outside of LaMelo is going to necessarily coach that out. Of, you don't want to coach that instinct. You don't want to coach that yeah. aggressiveness out of the game. What I think we're talking about a very small thing that will make a very big impact in terms of him transitioning from instinctually great basketball player into superstar level NBA player. Those are the kind we'll, we'll if he if he does turn into, you know, one of the best five players in the league. We will we will look back on on these times and go, "Yes, that's that's the kind of thing that he doesn't do anymore." And and ultimately that cascades into other better things that make him a superstar player. Yeah. And, you know, it's just controlling. And 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 I thought the floor game was OK. Like, I mean, I thought it was good, actually, for for a decent portion of this one. He had four turnovers. There were some bad decisions. You mentioned um, the, the it wasn't but the, the had, turnovers. But it, it wasn't yeah. bad decisions with the turnovers yeah. in this game. It was bad. And it typically isn't like he's a he's generally like, OK, with the turnovers. And when he makes There's some so indecisiveness assists, on passes, but like yeah. it's not enough. But, that but generally, that's not the it. problem. It's been shot selection. Yeah. It's it's been understanding, you know, where and when to take the shot. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, LaMelo, rough shooting night. And again, six of 24, five of 16. Did have seven assists against Detroit. Did have six assists against Toronto. Uh, Ten turnovers combined in those two games. Did have a lot against Toronto. But um, 
We'll see if LaMelo can get this thing righted, shooting the basketball as well as the Charlotte Hornets, who lost last night a really tough one, 127 to 126 in overtime against the Detroit Pistons. Want to provide a message from Camp Lejeune for listeners who served in or worked for the United States Marine Corps or have family or friends who might have. I wanted to notify you of an available resource. From 1953 to 1987, personnel assigned to Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune were potentially exposed to contaminated drinking water. The Marine Corps has since partnered with health agencies to conduct scientific studies to assess impact from these potential exposures, and they are working to keep those Marines, their families, and civilian employees informed with updates and resources available to them. If you or someone you know may have been at Camp Lejeune during those years, please consider registering with the Camp Lejeune Historic Drinking Water Notification Database. You can learn more and register at www.marines.mil/clwater. That's www.marines.mil slash CL water. Let's also discuss bet online. Football season might be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops, actually getting closer to the playoffs postseason in each of those sports from the latest odds, total uh, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. They have a game against Milwaukee tonight. They've beaten the Bucks twice already this season. Can they make it a third? We'll talk about it next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is oh, his name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. <laughs> he, he, Matt he Thomas. Didn't play at all. I'm pretty sure Matt Thomas <laughs> served me in an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So they play the Bucks tonight. We're talking a little about LaMelo becoming the outright leader of this team, especially in clutch time situations. Well, there's one game against Milwaukee earlier this year, Doug, where LaMelo was exactly that guy on a national spotlight. LaMelo put the team on his back, so to speak, and then hit that incredible floater where he's going to his left in crunch time, hits it go, going to his left, hits it having to shoot like like over here because of the way that he's transitioning his body. It was an amazing shot. And LaMelo, I think, ended up with like 30 points in that game, taking 36. down taking down the defending NBA champs. And you might need him to have that type of game along with just adequate shooting around you to have, let's have everybody at least play an average game or above in this one. And maybe you can take down Milwaukee like you have twice this year. Yeah. So on the, uh, in the January game, when the Hornets won 114 to 106, LaMelo had uh, 19 points on eight of 19 shooting, uh, nine rebounds, eight assists, kind of a little bit of a similar game to what he had against Detroit. Uh, but in the game, that December game where, uh, so you had the game winner uh, shot and then uh, there was a game back in December where Giannis hit the game winner. Mm-hmm. Um, LaMelo had a career night and that one, 36 points, uh, nine assists, uh, five rebounds. So LaMelo's played well against the Bucks. This season, so uh, you know, and I certainly after these past two games, I think Lamelo will be chomping at the bit um, to deliver another classic. Hopefully, uh, the the Bucks are very very good, but they are also vulnerable, and they don't have a great bench. Uh, they're really only playing like six or seven guys. Uh, they lost to Brooklyn uh, on a great Kyrie game uh, recently, so uh, this is not. 
This is not unwinnable, and we've seen the Charlotte Hornets, when they play teams with a lot of talent, they step up to the plate and um, can deliver. Uh, so I, I give the Hornets a, a puncher's chance in this one. I don't know that a win against, even a dominant win against Milwaukee, I don't know how much it changes the narrative on this season, uh, but they certainly need to compile as many wins as possible if they want to have a shot at at uh, doing any damage in the play-in. Well, no, no, one game can't change that type of overall feeling because it's one game and the whole feeling of it is to put multiple good games together or mm-hmm. just have some kind of sustainability that, hey, we're not going to completely let you down in the next contest following this. And that's what takes place, right? Like you're kind of, maybe it's it's certainly arbitrary, but in our minds, we have this cleanse with the All-Star Weekend saying, okay, now we can come back because we're ready to go mentally and physically. And so here we have the last 20 22 games ready. They beat Toronto. Okay, maybe this is the sign of some things to come. And then they lose to Detroit, who they haven't lost to in forever. And since, like, I don't know, like Dwight Howard was on the team. <laughs> like, that's the last time that they lost to Detroit. Here they are losing to what is one of the worst uh, teams in the NBA. Now only Orlando is worse than Detroit after the Pistons win last night. So against Milwaukee, it would be great to try to get back on track. But it's why I talked about the importance of that game against Toronto. You know, it, it just it's hard to feel great about this franchise now when they seem pretty cemented in the play in tournament. So then when you don't have anything to play for, you know, now you're you're kind of playing to stay in the play-in tournament. Like, think about how bad that would be if they lost so much so where Washington is able to catch them. You know, you look at Atlanta, they're the same record. They have the same record as the Hornets right now, or they're 10 and a half games back. Um, I'm trying to pull up the standings, but they're right there in that same spot, really. Like that 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 changes and that makes you feel bad. First, we're playing for an outright playoff spot. Now we're just trying to fight to stay in the play-in tournament. And that seems like the ceiling at this point. Yeah, well, so I th- certainly. I mean, it would it would it would uh, be shocking. I think you would have to see the Hornets go on a a pretty incredible run that we haven't seen them be capable of so far this season, paired with several of the teams that they are currently battling. Um, really, really suffer a a losing streak, and and I just don't know if there are really enough games and and enough willingness and maturity on this team to really see that happen. I do think that if they miss the play-in altogether and then they seep back into the sort of 11th draft pick yeah. mediocrity uh, that we've been far too accustomed to since their last playoffs series, uh, I think if that happens, the, the organization really has to reevaluate a lot of things, both from a roster construction standpoint, and honestly, I do think you need to evaluate whether – James Borrego's four pillars are are actually being no. listened to anymore. Yeah. No, I I, I reviewed the four pillars. I went oh, back yeah. and please, checked out. Please don't bring up the four pillars. I heard enough about that the first year. No, I, I get. I totally. Well, I was, I was scouring the game notes, you know, in preparation <laughs> for this Bucks game, and I saw they have the four pillars in there, and I'm looking at yeah. them. I'm, I'm going. Not all of these four pillars are really being executed on. So well, if if that's yeah. his, if that's the core of what he wants out of a team, and this team hasn't delivered it, and this current team hasn't delivered it in two seasons, then at some point you have to go, okay, maybe a new voice, a new vision is is necessary here. Well, this, this it certainly puts, like, he's going to kind of be on the hot seat anyway, I think. You know, and it's, it's not going to be real hot, but it's going to be, like, at least some kind of heat there. 
if he doesn't make the play in tournament altogether, oh yeah, like it's do or die. And you know what? It should be do or die at that point because like you still have some wiggle room for quote unquote excuses this year. You know, the wiggle room being that it's LaMelo's third year as your best player. It's a second year, excuse me, as your best player. He didn't even get a first full year because of injuries and COVID and the way that shortened the season. And so if you wanted to play around with that, fine. You still have some injuries. Now, Gordon Hayward's injury is baked into the contract. That's something you knew about beforehand. So you kind of have to eat that, too, if there's some criticism, and there should be. But you still have some wiggle room for excuses being such a young team. Not next year, though. Like That has to go out because LaMelo will be a third-year point guard. You see guys can take a jump at that point. You know, Gordon is only getting older, as we've mentioned. Terry Rozier, that's when his contract, he still has a lot of money left to go, and he's only getting older at this point. Miles Bridges will be in his fifth season. Like, he's just kind of a veteran through and through. He's on his second contract, and P.J. Washington, we don't know what they're going to do with him, but if he's on the team, then he'll be a fourth-year player. Like, when you're younger rotation guys are at least in their third season of NBA basketball, it's time to start doing something like it's a reasonable timetable to say Kimba's gone. We have to press the reset button. We have to find our star before we really talk about making a playoff series and competing. Cool. They did that. They drafted LaMelo as a star. They got miles and PJ, which are some nice rotation pieces. Miles might even be a legit, I don't know, third, second all-star like that could happen. We'll see, but you've started to do a pretty good job through the NBA draft. Now it's time to see the results of that, certainly next year. Like, no more wiggle room for the excuses next year. And that's the thing, you know, that uh, to, to, to go down and finish worse this season than you did last year, that's it, you're not going in the right direction. And at that point, there are more than fair enough questions being asked about the head coach and James Brago and this regime overall. Yeah, no, I think I think it's th- there's parts of it that are fair and parts of it that are unfair. And whenever you're talking about these coaching positions, it's always going to be somewhat unfair when a coach uh, is is let go because there are certain things that are outside of James Borrego's control. He's been very clear about that too. He's been very clear that he he doesn't he's not responsible for constructing this roster, right? Like James Borrego yeah. is not responsible for the Hornets not having an NBA level. Uh, big rotation, and then addressing that in the trade deadline with Montrez Harrell, who is not going to really help you at all in terms of of rim protection. He's not responsible for that. But some of the things that he that he is, I think, I think like if you can look at a head coach and say they're responsible for one thing, it's preparing players to start games well, and and that's part of that is a starting rotation. Um, part of that is is just making sure that they're that they understand. You know what 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 they need to do in the first part of that game, and the Hornets just have not been prepared to start these games. It doesn't it doesn't appear that way. Yeah, I mean, just the preparation. Like you can have you know after timeouts, the Hornets have been pretty good. He can draw up a, a pretty good play, but also like my biggest problem with James Borrego has constantly been, I, I think, just like talent evaluation, not developing talent because I do think he's been pretty good in that mm-hmm. area. When we talk mm-hmm. about putting the right players out on the court. You know, he's just a little too helter skelter with his lineups. Like that, that's the problem that I've always had with Borrego, just not giving the minutes to guys that I think are better basketball players and then might even prove to be true to that. You laugh at that every time. Like it's just <laughs> well, my, my, it? I'm laughing. I'm laughing at the idea of like, you know, my biggest problem with him, he doesn't do what I would like him to do. <laughs> well, like, but that's, that's, like every... the very, that's the very source of criticism for a Borrego, though, right? Like he's not doing what you want him to do. You know, they, he's not doing what LaMelo fans want to do. He's not doing 
what Mitch Kupchak might want him to do. Like that's like a lot yeah, of people if, wanted him to play Montrez Harrell. Like you say, he's helter skelter with the lineups, but I think part of the part of the problem with the OT losses this year, and they have been uh, many, uh, is that he sticks with whoever got him there, whoever got him to OT. That's who he sticks with. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't seem to matter about like fatigue or hey, let's let's try this thing. We're getting kind of hammered at the first part of overtime. You know, let's let's try Montrez there because they couldn't make a layup in that overtime session and. It's like the one thing that Montrez has been able to do since he's joined the team is finish at the rim. Like a lot of people wanted to see Montrez there. Well, and he and, can pass. Like he had some nice passes last night. Offensively, Trez is good, man. Like he's just good. Well, overall. All, I'm all I'm saying yeah. is there is the yes, he can be helter skelter with the lineups throughout a game, but you know, in these crunch time situations, he tends to tends to go with the players that got him there. Um, and and all strategy be damned. Yeah, well, and that's that's fair. Like it's yeah. I mean, it's it's the rotation problems, right? But like, you know, we could talk about listen. We could talk about James Borrego all day long. But I think there, it's not just James Borrego. There are play. I could oh, you know I you, you could name a, a, a ton of players on this team that really have to go into this offseason and do some self evaluation and some game evaluation and decide. You know, am I only do I only want to be an offensive player, which really limits my ability to become a superstar? Or do I want to really commit myself to the defensive end? And, um, you know, and not get back cut into oblivion. Uh, yeah. Do 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 I want to constantly rely on my on my basketball instincts, or do I want to be a player that's that that thinks a little bit more about the strategy and about the whole game as opposed to possession to possession? Uh, you know, the, the, the players have these opportunities, and, and I don't. And if they miss, what I'm saying is, if they, if they miss the playoffs, <laughs> they'll have to pursue. In my opinion, they're probably going to, you know, pursue those opportunities with another coach. Yeah, and you know, these clutch time situations. Remember, remember how good they've been the last two years. They were amazing. Like they were, they were the best yeah. team in clutch time situations. Devontae Graham, not, that's well, the answer. Well, we got to bring. Well, and bring even just yeah, law of averages too. Like you kind of sensed it was coming. There was going to have to be this big letdown. You have one extreme on one side, then you go to the other. Um, as soon as this year starts to happen, all right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Appreciate you hopping on with us and making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you make Lockdown Bets your second listen. They have expert insight um, from Lee Sterling. Also, you do have your boy Q hosting that. So again, check out Lockdown Bets for your second listen every single day. We appreciate you hopping on. We'll be back with you tomorrow.